successful season, unsuccessful season, I don't know. The 49ers made it to the NFC Championship with Kyle Shanahan and about three quarterbacks, it looked like. But So we'll talk about that right after this. Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Gene Sports. It's your host, Marco, with my boy, Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, we're doing good. How about you? Hey, man, I can't complain, man. Uh, really can't. Every day is a new day. Um, feels like uh, Sunday is a lot farther than what it was, um, which feels good, man. After a, a rough loss like that, having to yeah. talk football, it, it honestly, it gets easier. But it just sucks because, like, the 49ers absolutely didn't have the opportunity to even give themselves a chance. Like, for me, like, that was the worst part about it. Like, right, there was no chance. It was sucky. I mean, we, we know how, uh, like, I just like good football, man. And, like, when you can't get good football in a, in, on a stage like that, it's unfortunate. But we moved on. Off-season time, and now there's a lot of the off-season talk. I mean, what a week it's been, right? What We, we got eliminated on Sunday. Monday, Tom Brady talk. I contributed to it. I said, should the 49ers uh, sign Tom Brady? We got Javon Kinlaw talk after all the, the clips originated about Javon Kinlaw. We've got Mike McGlinchey talk because Mike McGlinchey is a free agent. We've got some defensive coordinator talk, but a lot, a lot of talk. It's offseason mode already. How are you feeling about that? Um, I'm glad um, that the the Tom Brady stuff died down. Um, I tweeted out the night before that I thought it was going to be hilarious when Tom Brady was no longer um, potentially going to be a 49er or anything like that. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, or, well, he was going to retire. I tweeted out that he's going to retire. I was going to be funny when he retires. And I thought it was just hilarious, dude, because, like, I had text someone. I was like, hey, like, what are the what are the odds that uh, Tom Brady comes to the 49ers? Mm-hmm. And he laughed. He was like, bro, LOL. Well, first we got to figure out if he's retiring or not. And I was like, Wait, what? Like, I thought it's like the way people were talking about, like the Adam Schefters, the Ian Rapports, the way those dudes were talking about it. It sounded yeah. like Brady was one hundred percent coming back. Like, what's his next team? Where's he going next? Right? And he was, I was like, wait, so you're saying he might retire? And he was like, bro, I don't get why people are still saying that he's coming coming to a new team or going to play again. When realistically, the dude's probably going to retire like he did last year. Like he really wanted to retire last year. So why the hell would he come back? And I was like. Damn, that's just going to be hella funny because everyone in 49ers world is going to be like, what the heck? I thought he was the Niners quarterback this year. And, I mean, we talked about it on the last show. I've talked about it all week. Tom Brady, just when you put two and two together, it was pretty unlikely he was going to be the 49ers starter regardless of whether he came back or not. Reports came out that it was either Tampa Bay or retirement. And, I mean, we saw what happened. Uh, and, uh, so it was, it was a quick little fun part. And then right after Tom Brady, people started, Oh, Aaron Rodgers, yo, Aaron Rodgers, you want to come back? Prompting Aaron Rodgers today at a golf tournament to say, I'm not going to San Fran. 
he like shanked one. It's probably going to have a better shot. So what happens when you start talking. So happens when you start talking about the 49ers and then he ends up shaking a shot. Like that was crazy, bro. It's just wild because like when we look at it as a as a fan base, as like someone who loves the 49ers, a lot of people were like, "Oh, this was an ex-. like." I had a lot of people DM me. I had a lot of family and friends text me like, "Damn, what what this season could have been." And like they're like this this season was it was an unsuccessful season. I'm like, I don't know if I would say that. Like, obviously, you want to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, like successful season is winning the Super Bowl. Do mm-hmm. you think this season was a success or was it a failure for the 49ers? Ultimately, I think you gotta say it's a success because of how it went out. Yeah, you do want us to win our Super Bowl. 49ers have been here before. It's a recurring theme. They've lost in a key moment in the playoffs, which is unfortunate. But then again. You've got to provide context for every time that they've done it, specifically this one. Going to your third-string quarterback, winning 12 in a row at a point in the season that really is an unprecedented mark. Going 12 in a row with your third, or uh, with a significant portion of that being with your third-string quarterback, I think the way that they did it was very valuable. We had head coaches and defensive coordinators have their best seasons of, of their career. Zemeco Ryan's called the best uh, season of his career. Kyle Shanahan had the best uh, season of his career. I mean, overall, you had a, a really, really uh, good season. You you saw good things. You saw growth uh, from certain plays. You saw different, different elements. And I think that it's tough, right, because obviously the goal is the Super Bowl. The losses are lingering in players' minds. Some players are likely frustrated. But I think that overall, when you incorporate all the context into the uh, situation, yeah, it was a su- it was a successful season, whether you like the result or not. The way I'm looking at things is was yeah, it was a successful season, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say yeah, it was a successful season, but I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, 100% was, right? Because obviously you lose your your rookie quarter or second year quarterback Trey Lance. And realistically, what you really wanted what I really wanted to see was him play a lot of games. The fact that he got injured and then the fact that he wasn't able to make it past two games, three games and his development, we're in the we're in a similar situation we were last year where you have a quarterback on your a roster that you don't know what it is on both quarterbacks, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Realistically, I don't care what people say. If they want to say we know what Brock Purdy is, we don't. I don't care what anyone says. We don't. He played seven games, and in the game he, he played where he ends up getting injured because of, on his throwing arm was his fault. Like, it, it, yes, it sucks saying it, it's his fault that he got injured, but if he steps up into the pocket, if he throws it on time, he doesn't get injured. So for me, it's like, what do we do? We really know what our quarterbacks are. So for me, I thought I think it's an unsuc- unsuccessful season because you have two quarterbacks that couldn't make it out healthy, and now they're supposed to be your friend, your future. So to me, I, I love that they got to the NFC Championship, but you had the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. They had the team; they still have the team, but they don't have a quarterback. And I mean, when you talk about the 49ers, that's the one unfortunate part. When you talk about shortcomings, to me, the biggest shortcoming, Super Bowl is a huge shortcoming, but the biggest shortcoming is they're going to, what is this now, year seven of the Kyle Shanahan tenure, and they still don't have a fix on the quarterback situation. That, in my opinion, is Kyle Shanahan's biggest flaw. 
he has failed to properly evaluate quarterbacks. He failed when he didn't draft Patrick Mahomes in 2018. He failed when he didn't sign Tom Brady and stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2021. Uh, sorry, in 2020. He failed when he kept two quarterbacks on the roster after failing to get Matthew Stafford, after failing to get a free agent quarterback in the 2021 class, and then trading up three first-round picks for a commodity that he benched in his first year. There have been a lot of failures with the quarterback position. Uh, and while I've agreed maybe with some decisions, not many, while I've agreed maybe with some decisions, at this point, it's year seven. You still don't know who your starting quarterback is in uh, with Kyle Shanahan, and you could potentially have a new starting quarterback again, which is an issue for the 49ers. They need to fix that. And that is, in my opinion, while the se season definitely overall is a success, that is the one downfall that I really point to going forward. That is an issue with Kyle Shanahan's tenure. And ultimately, that question is going to define his future with the 49ers. Yeah, you're absolutely right because that's the biggest problem, right? Number one mistake for Kyle Shanahan was never – and I'm not going to put the blame just on Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to also put it on the front office of John Lynch was not scouting – Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, you, Patrick Mahomes, like, that class that, that they could have had quarterbacks in, I don't care. And, I mean, even Deshaun Watson. I mean, I, I know all the all the, the stuff, right? But back then, Deshaun Watson was a, a pretty darn good option in that class. And then you go to the, the next class, and, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you, you also mentioned Deshaun Watson, right? They don't scout these dudes, right? Because they had a big vision at a plan, right? That plan's cool. That I, I like the idea. But when you have quarterbacks of that caliber and you're drafting that high, I don't care what your plan is. At the end of the day, you got to scout every quarterback. You got And if Kyle Shanahan um, had this plan of, okay, I want Kirk Cousins because he, honestly, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I don't get why people give him hate. It's honestly trendy to actually hate um, Kirk Cousins. So for me, I think it's kind of funny that um, people hate on him. But if you look at what Kyle Shanahan and everything did um, by not scouting, John Lynch didn't do that good of a job of convincing Kyle Shanahan what quarterback to go get. And to me, that's an issue, right? Because if you, at the end of the day, if you're trying to get a quarterback and you're this legit GM, you're telling your head coach, I don't care what quarterback you want in the future. These are the dudes, and I'm going to show you why. And you make your head coach fall in love with these dudes, just like John Lynch made Kyle Shanahan fall in love with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, there are a lot of different things. I mean, you go the quarterback direction, uh, a different way in the quarterback direction in multiple different avenues, be it drafting Mahomes be it maybe signing even Kirk Cousins, going after Tom Brady, a different plan in 2021, landing Matthew Stafford, uh, or keeping Trey Lance healthy, uh, whatever it may be. You go a number of different options, you might have that Super Bowl ring in your hand. And it's tough. It's It really is, and that's the one downfall on a really successful season for Kyle Shinney. Absolutely, and I think it's, it's hard, man, because – you look at the last couple seasons, we could call them a success, but we have nothing to show for it. No quarterback, no ring. Like, realistically, 
it's hard. And then you get to the postseason press conference, right? Now, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, right? They both have a press conference together. A couple interesting things. I'm gonna the first interesting thing. I'm not gonna talk about the, the comments they made about their quarterbacks. Hmm. Interesting comment that I found very interesting was John Lynch saying, I'm committed to the 49ers for this season. Hmm. Wait, what? Why are you that? Why the hell are you committed to them this season? Why not for the rest of your time here? What the hell are you saying, John? Is this your last year? Is that why Adam Peter stayed? Is that what you're telling me, John? Yeah, Lynch? yeah. I, I know. I know. This was a this was an interesting topic because mm-hmm. it seems like for a while. I mean, John Lynch, his number one goal. John Lynch had a beautiful job. He he was a, he was in TV. He was he's totally set. He didn't need this job. That TV money be calling, man. Yeah, that TV money was calling, and it been calling. And so all I'm saying is, John Lynch came into this job with a goal, and it's clear. Even it's clear with Shanahan, man, with the frustration that he showed. They this lack of a Super Bowl has been eating at them. John Lynch wants that Super Bowl, and that's why he's saying I'm committed for this year because he's here in year seven. And also, you know, it might be a way where Lynch can leave, but also the 49ers pin Lynch as the scapegoat should the 49ers not win the Super Bowl this year. And move Adam Peters into that general manager position. Regardless, it's been seven years after this year. It seems like the 49ers might be might be doing something different. After I'm going to hide my face and hide my reactions because I don't think you're wrong. I think that's legit what's going to happen, bro. So we're seeing it now, right? And I'm now this is where conversation gets going because because the comments you made and they're they're valid, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have people in the locker room, player wise, telling Matt Mayoko that they're going to be upset if Trey uh, uh, Brock Purdy is a starter. That sounds like someone else to me. Like, it might be players, but it might sound like someone's influencing. These you talking about Kittle? Players. You talking about that boy Kittle? I'm not saying any names, bro. But if you want to throw names, I don't know, right? Like we know Kittle back. Jimmy Garoppolo to the fullest. We know that. Like, that's not a question. But the fact that these dudes are talking to Matt Miyoko, like, you do realize Brock Purdy is injured. We don't know if he's coming back next year or if he or if he is or not. Like, we don't know that there's no question. There's, there's the, cer- the certainty isn't there for Brock Purdy next year, yet you're making comments about the quarterback that might be your starter. Are we sure it ain't you, John Lynch? I don't know. And it's speculation. I don't go into that speculation type of thing. But, yeah, it's interesting, right? It's interesting about how things have unfolded. And I want to preface it with this because, like I said, it's year seven. And there was something I said earlier this year. Uh, I mean, earlier this stream. Kyle Shanahan, his tenure with the 49ers. It's predicated on whether he can get this quarterback solution fixed. I think because we've seen it before, and we've even seen it with the 49ers, I think that the 49ers, their timeline for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, whatever it may be, is the the rookie contract of Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. It ends in two years, including Lance's fifth-year option. Um, 
I think that that's the timeline. If you get it wrong throughout this five-year t- uh, tenure, guess what? You've gotten your quarterback wrong. That's the reason they move on, and that's the way they promote Adam Peters and kind of have a restart in a way there. So I, I think that that's the thing. But the other thing that I get from that press conference, it's it's pretty clear. The power the power control, Kyle Shanahan's power is getting more and more, as as you see. And I think that in a way that is also paving for a potential Adam Peters role to GM. Why? What is Adam Peters best at? His number one uh, his number one thing is a scout. He is really good at scouting. His focus is on the draft. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's focus is on the draft, of course, but Kyle Shanahan's main focus is on personnel. And so I think that you get this, in a way, um, this connection between the two. It's paving for that connection between the two where there's that, there's the, there's the connection, but there's also Shanahan getting more into the, the upstairs role as well. We've also seen, before I end, we've also seen Shanahan get into the personnel decisions on some big-name free agents in the past. And you're not wrong, right? Like, we're looking at things, and every five seconds or every question that was answered by John Lynch, he tends to look at Kyle. Are you okay with that answer, Kyle? Right. Like, the funniest part was what he said, I'm committed. He looked at Kyle. Hey, Kyle, you good with that, Kyle? He's like... Bro, he looked at Kyle no, like, hey, bro, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Rohan. He looked at Kyle like, unless this dude fires me soon. Like, literally, that's what I that's where I, I got from it. I'm like, hey, I, I know there's stuff going on in that front office. Like, I I, I talked to a couple of people. Like, I talked to people. So I know what's going on, Like, but I'm not going to go spill it and, like, start saying stuff because I'm not, I'm not one of those people. But, like, when you look at it and he goes, yeah, I'll be back for next year, next season. I'm committed to the Port Anders for next season. And it looks at Kyle like, are you firing me this year or next year? Like, when is it, right? Like, because obviously the power between them, right? And then Kyle Shanahan makes a comment, right, on Brock Purdy. Well, he kind of doesn't – he doesn't make a comment, but he says that um, obviously Brock Purdy uh, doesn't need – is encouraged that he doesn't need Tommy John surgery and he'll be the same guy. And then he ends up saying that, I'm sorry that and I'm going to, I'm going to reenact how he said it, Rohan. So he goes, I'm, I'm sorry that Josh Johnson banged his head when someone hit him. I'm sorry that, uh, that Brock Purdy guy hit when I, when we were throwing the ball on a straight drop back. And I'm sorry that my dual threat quarterback broke his ankle. Right. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy got hurt on a drop back. Like, bro, why are you why are you saying that about your team first? One of first of all, if you're saying the way you said it, if I'm your quarterback, if I'm on your roster, I'm like, damn, does this dude even care about it? Our health? Right. Like the way he's saying it was very like I get they don't like the media. I understand. Like the way he it, said like, it, yeah, it was a stupid question, but like no, it's not a stupid no... question though, Rohan. Uh, it's after not. the okay. if if you just got four quarterbacks injured, right? He didn't, he didn't get them injured. Four quarterbacks on the team got injured. All they were asking was, what do you, what, what happens? What's the coincidence? What, what's the issue? And he took fair. offense. Okay, okay, fair, fair, fair. He fair. took offense to the question where it was like, you know what? That's at me. He, they're making, they're making fun of me because he even also said, and he was like, so the other day uh, after the game, he was like, oh, Brock Purdy, um, 
should have stepped into the pocket and delivered it. And then he yeah, goes, "Oh, that wasn't Brock." Say that. And then he and then and then in the press conference he goes, "It wasn't Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's fault. It, uh, it, it was, was coincidence. Just, it was a coincidence. Yeah. You know, like I'm like whoa, 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 bro. You already said that was Brock Purdy. You threw the blame on Brock Purdy. Yes, he's right. Brock Purdy should have stepped up into the pocket. There was a pocket there to step up into. However, Kyle, you're saying things like right now, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna keep." Keep seeing what these dudes say, and at the end, like 49ers Raj says, 49ers Raj 209. Hey, that guy's probably from the 209, probably from like the my area. But uh, Kyle, as John Lynch at the very end goes, he like looks away to me, Rohan. What do you take from those comments from Kyle Shanahan talking about? Um, we'll, we'll get to John Lynch's comments later. Um, talking about, I'm sorry about injuries. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously frustrated, and that's why I said earlier today with Ryan Hensley, I wonder the timing. Like, it's so interesting, the timing. It's clearly, the loss is clearly on their minds. The frustration's clearly on their minds. And I mean, I know we've spoken about it, and I know I've said how I don't necessarily blame Kyle Shanahan single-handedly for the injuries. But also, you can't be putting out your frustration in that way. And sounding like that, I think, especially in this situation. And it's I'm sure he's reassured his players. Like, uh, I'm sure they have the conversations. But in public, saying that about your players, kind of, in a way, throwing them under the bus as a way to defend yourself, not sure if that's the best strategy. And I don't know if he was really defending himself. Like, I don't. I'm not going to say that's what he was doing, right? It sounded like it. It sure the hell sounded like he was. But for me, is I want it more so from the player side, right? Like as a as a someone who I'm always going to back the players before any anyone in the organization. I'm going to back the players because the players are the reason you have this product, right? So the way he said it, I took more people are taking more offense by the way he said um Trey Lance's injury, like, oh, sorry, my dual threat quarterback got hurt running. Sorry, these two. Qu-. I took more offense when he said, I'm sorry that Josh Johnson banged his head when he got hit on the floor. To me, that's where I was like, whoa, do you not care about your player's health? Because you're, we're talking about a, a head injury. We're not talking about broken bones. We're not talking about a, a broken ligament. We're talking about a, a, a severe concussion. When you hit the back of your head like that on the floor from the whiplash, that is worse than a regular concussion going head on. That's the same That's the same thing that started Tua's concussions in a row. So to me, I'm like, wait, you talk about player health like you care, but then you're saying that about Josh Johnson. And to me, that's where I took offense. I'm like, whoa, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you take care of your players and you care about their health, but then say, sorry, Josh. Sorry, Josh, you banged your head. Doesn't work that way, bro. Does to me, I don't like that. It's it's tough. I I don't know. Like the the press conference, that was kind of like the the tone in a way for a majority of it. Tough, tough, and uh, you could definitely sense the frustration not only with the quarterback position, and that's why there was speculation about Tom Brady, right, Kyle. He's probably sick of it. He's probably sick of these uh, the execution issues happening because when you look at it, right, Purdy, he steps up, that injury doesn't happen. Jimmy Garoppolo, he throws the ball away, his injury doesn't happen. 
Trey Lance, if he learns to protect himself and not run as high, that injury doesn't happen. That's Kyle's mentality, probably. That's Kyle's no, big way. Maybe, maybe if Kyle doesn't run him up the middle. No, no, no. But I'm saying from Kyle's perspective, like he might be, he might be, and that's where that's where you get the Tom Brady kind of part of it, right? Because Tom, Tom ain't gonna do none of that. Tom is gonna get the ball out quick. Tom's gonna execute your offense. Tom's gonna do what Kyle Brady, uh, Kyle wants, and that's where you get to talk about it. And that's where you probably sense the frustration. But at the end of the day, yeah, that ain't happening. We knew it. You got to move on. And it's clear you've got your two quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, it, it's it. Those are the two. They're going to sign a mid-level backup. And those are going to be your three quarterbacks next year. Now, the next comment was from John Lynch, right? He says, Brock Purdy has proved to be or some some he ends up saying I don't know what he said about Brock Purdy but I know for sure he says Trey Lance needs to prove that he can stay healthy. You talking about the durable comments? Yeah, he says uh, Brock Purdy's durable. He showed he's durable. Uh, Trey Lance has uh, needs to prove he can stay healthy. That didn't sit well with me. Yeah. I, I, so I, here's the I can just read it out and then you can go with the point. He just said, as Kyle said earlier, I think Brock's been incredibly durable throughout his career. He just ran into an, uh, he just ran, he ran into just an inopportune situation where he's trying to throw the ball downfield and he's got an NFL rusher pulling at your arm the other direction. It's not going to hold up. So that stinks. Trey has had, uh, has, Trey had his issues, and Trey's had a rough go here the last couple of years. He's obviously going to have to prove that he can stay healthy, but I know there were periods of time in my career where I struggled to stay healthy, and then I went eight years without missing a snap. So it happens sometimes. Yeah, so he says this, right? And the way I took it was, well, you're calling out the quarterback that you guys tried using as a dual threat quarterback. Everyone, I... The film I I watched, I didn't really think Trey was a, a running quarterback or a dual threat quarterback. He had mobility. I think he has he was a mobile quarterback, but because you're a mobile quarterback, quarterback doesn't mean you're a dual threat quarterback. There's two different things. I always thought that Trey Lance was a guy who you could run the read option, you could run that zone read with him every once in a while, but it's not going to work 13 times in a game. And when you do that and you get him hurt, and then you talk about a quarterback who has proven to be durable. But then he had a he played with the rib cartilage injury only because there was no other quarterbacks on the roster. They had just signed Josh Johnson. He almost didn't play because of the injury because it was a legit injury. Brock Purdy, that I'm talking about. And then a quarterback that just tore his UCL that might need Tommy John, and they're saying he's not going to need it. So for me, it's like, wait, both of these quarterbacks have went through injuries. What are we talking about right now, John? Like to me, that's the, that's what didn't sit well. I think both quarterbacks need to prove they can stay healthy. Brock Purdy with his his lig his uh, rib injury, and then his ligament injury, and then uh, Trey Lance he had a knee injury. Uh, I believe he also had his uh, obviously his broken ankle, and then he broke his finger when he was throwing in the pocket. That is stuff that happens. Quarterbacks kind of common, kind of common injury. And I I think that when you when you talk about the quarterback injuries, and it, this comment was interesting. This comment was the one, honestly, that I found the most unnecessary. I'll, I'll say unnecessary because when you talk about it, yeah, like you said, Brock Purdy, he has suffered two injuries now in his eight-game stretch as a starting quarterback, the oblique injury and the arm injury. Trey Lance has suffered, what, three in, in, in 
in one preseason start and then four regular season starts. He both of them have suffered injuries. Now I, I understand what he was trying to say. The reason he talks about Brock Purdy is because in his collegiate career, Brock Purdy was relatively healthy. I understand that's what he means throughout his career. And the problem is Trey Lance hasn't had that game film necessarily where he hasn't played so much to where um, you can necessarily have a period of time where he wasn't injured in a, at a professional level. But to me, I thought it was unnecessary. I really did. Like, There's no reason to word it like that because when you talk about the landscape of it, both of those quarterbacks got injured this year on freak accidents. Trey had his leg bent behind him as he was going to the ground, and then Brock Purdy had his arm hit as he was throwing a football, right? Both are freak accidents, and both are going to keep your in quarterbacks out. And it, it was interesting because right after that, John Lynch says, it was a coincidence. The injuries were a coincidence in a way to back up Kyle Shanahan. So, like, you can't have it both ways, John. You can't say your guy ain't durable, but say it's a coincidence, too. Like, I, I thought that that was kind of, like, a little funny in that they said it was a coincidence. And then Kyle Shanahan obviously hammered the point that it was a coincidence. 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 That ain't that ain't got to do nothing to me. It's a coincidence. Bro, it's so ironic because then Kyle follows it up at the very end. He was like, mm -hmm. I mean, you see what happens when I run the ball in the second half? No one got hurt no shit no one got hurt kyle like bro you're, we're talking about a physical game you, yeah your hand your quarterback's handing the ball off every single play he's already injured both quarterbacks already what are you talking about bro if you had a third quarterback bro who knows if you would have got injured or not like realistically i we don't know right so i thought that was just funny man like i thought it was unnecessary comments um especially because you're probably relying on trey lance to be quarterback one in OTA yeah. coming into the regular season because realistically um the six month timeline puts Brock Purdy at um the July the the August mark right like the end of July August mm -hmm. but that's if he's fully healthy then that means he's playing in, in August and I believe the season the preseason starts usually the second week of preseason uh, uh second week of August um or third week of August so even if he's starting to throw start of august where he's like becoming fully healthy then you're you're hoping that he's good to go like that if that's really if right. that's your plan you're hoping that he it, it recovers well like and, you're, and at the end of the day you're hoping that he still could throw the ball with the accuracy the strength that he had and he doesn't have that much arm strength so hopefully he doesn't lose any of it but let's go right. to get to this let's go ahead and get to this quarterback after your comment and then you can make the comment whatever you have and then uh we'll get to this qu uh, question Sounds good. Uh, the the last point, actually, no, I'll say it after this. Um, Matt Ryan is the third QB. Interesting question. What do you think about it? Because, well, I see your head nodding. Let's let let's at least before we get to that uh, the reasoning why not. Let's let's think about why it could happen. Now, Matt Ryan as the third quarterback, he's an MVP candidate that has played in Kyle's system. You have two young quarterbacks. Last year, the veteran was Jimmy Garoppolo in the room. This year, you could supplant Jimmy Garoppolo with Matt Ryan. Tell me though obviously why you don't believe that should happen they're not trading for him he's under contract if you trade if in order for him to get so if he's released they do save 17 million this year but they also take before uh the june 1st uh release date uh they eat 18 million but they save 17 if he's released after that they uh save 17 and they still eat 18 at that point might as well have him be there to be a mentor to whatever young quarterback you draft. I mean, even if he doesn't do nothing, you let that young quarterback play, and he just mentors them. You know what? Like, hey, these are the things you want to do. 
Um, and I'm sure he would do it for the, I think he's making 34 million this year, uh, 35 million. So I'm pretty sure if, if he would do it for that much money to be the mentor, Four Niners aren't trading for him. If he's cut, maybe, but even then I would rather. Let's, let's say structure. he's like, let's say the contingent that he's cut. Cause I actually think that there's a good possibility he could be cut given that they save 18 million and that it's a, what do you call it? New, new head coach coming in. So if he's cut, I still don't do it, and I'm I'm gonna be like Michael Scott from The Office, you know the 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 episode where he's like God, God no, where he's yelling like no. I would yeah that would, that would be me because let's say for some hypothetical reason the 49ers have two in two quarterbacks that are their starters and become injured again. I've never seen that happen for the 49ers ever in my life. Mm-hmm. But if it was ever happened, I'm not relying on Matt Ryan to be the quarterback. That dude's he was. We talk about people talk about uh, Tom Brady being washed. Matt Ryan should have retired like six years ago. No, I shouldn't say six years. I should say around 2020. So, which was, was that three years ago? Um, yeah. He should have retired in 2020 where he was bad. Like Matt Ryan, the last couple of years has been gross to watch. I don't want him on my roster because if the other guys get injured and he has to play, geez, I'm not trying to watch terrible quarterback play, man. Yeah, uh, Matt Ryan, he's. He can't play anymore. It's unfortunate. I mean, we saw it with the Colts. He was not good. He hasn't been good in a minute. And the other part, he doesn't have mobility. I mean, if you're going to implement it, you're going to have to implement a completely different system if you're having Matt Ryan in there. Remember how much they had to strap, uh, scrap away when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo, despite, like, everyone thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is a mobile stick. Wait till you see Matt Ryan in a 49ers uniform playing games. It's it's another level of not uh, of, of a lack of mobility. And so to me, I don't know if Matt Ryan's the answer. Now, when you talk about the quarterbacks on the market, I think that there are a couple that you definitely could see be that guy. Andy Dalton was probably uh, one of the non-mobile guys that you could uh, you could look for. Obviously, he's a he's a veteran uh, coming off a season in New Orleans, and I think put that some he respect could be a guy. on him. He played like a top ten quarterback this year. Top ten, yo, top ten. He played legit this year. I- like he was solid he was solid but not top 10 i would say around the 15 15 20 range but you could make the argument that sir some games he looked like a top 10 quarterback all right man you do you you do you uh we'll we'll agree to disagree there but so like if you want a high-end backup option there are guys like um i mean uh jacoby Brissett is going to be definitely uh, a top backup if he doesn't get started level money he'll probably make eight million a year or something like that uh, a raise from what he made this year, four and a half. There, there are a couple of starting or uh, backup caliber options out there. So we'll see um, who they go out for. I just don't think it'll be Matt Ryan. Oh, Andy Dalton. The reason why I said top ten, it was more so a joke than anything. So you know how Forty Nine fans were calling Jimmy a top ten quarterback, and he was like his stats were like eighteen touchdowns, nine interceptions, or twenty touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like he was having wasn't was it fantastic. That's literally what Andy Dalton did. Obviously, they didn't win um, like they wanted to with Andy Dalton. But I want to say this year he threw 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So every two-to-one um, touch-and-interception ratio threw 3,000 yards, I believe, with like on 67% completion percentage. And he yeah. didn't even have an offense that was actually that good. So right, at, at top 15, roughly in the 15-20 range, in that Jimmy Garoppolo, where a lot of 49er fans would consider uh, at the time top 10, that's what he played like. Um, yeah. Lance will be okay this upcoming season. Brock will heal up. Hopefully, not needing that surgery heals up soon. 
he might he's gonna need surgery. We just don't know what if it's Tommy John or the one that only takes six months. And then Rebirth of Cool also says Shanahan told us uh, us that Trey got hurt on a freak accident, but now has an issue with injuries. Then why continue to run him up the middle? That's absolutely the absolute one hundred percent truth. Um, I hundred percent agree. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Rohan? Yeah, I mean, before you can understand, like the whole point of running him up the middle was get him to what he's accustomed to because that's similar to what he had uh, at North Dakota state with, with the game plan there. But Lance has to learn how to run the football. And it's interesting to say that after a guy who ran the football for as much as he did, but he doesn't protect himself when running the football. We saw that a couple of times this year, he is too high. His stance is too high. And also he doesn't slide enough. He's got to learn to protect, uh, protect himself. And, Running up the middle, well, it's tough to do that. Uh, well, when you don't protect yourself and run up the middle, it normally leads to um, not great results after a while. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I wonder how Kyle Shanahan plays him next year. I have confidence, more confidence, because of the Christian McCaffrey trade. I think that changes a lot and it allows you to run the football a lot more effectively. I'm not going to say scrap the Trey Lance design runs because when you run zone read, you need to have the threat of a quarterback run in order for you to run zone read. Otherwise, they're going to keep crashing. The defensive end will just keep crashing on the run game. And so I think there's value in it, but I think that you have to prioritize the health. And I think that that that's the one thing. Now, I love this comment because I know uh, Cody is is saying Marco's boy Tanner McKee. I did cover Stanford, but I'm, I believe, and I want, I want Cody to come back, I believe he's telling uh, uh, saying this because he saw me comment on uh, Javi's uh, tweet, uh, Javi Vega, which shout out to my boy Javi. Um, Javi's like, oh, hopefully the Niners can draft uh, Tanner McKee. I said, God, please don't. You don't want him, I promise. Honestly, Tanner McKee, watching him this year, I thought he was going to be a much better quarterback. Um, obviously, he was recruited highly out of high school. Um, not good. I, I promise you, not good. Max Duggan, um, I'll let you go on Max Duggan first. Um <sighs> He's whatever. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think too, too special to me. Max Duggan's all right. Like he'll have his flaws backup level quarterback, probably in the NFL. Um, he's got grit to him. That's a good thing. He's got the grit, got the poise, but a couple of the, I mean, the couple of the, like the, the passing type uh, uh, areas that he needs to improve on. There are a good amount of improvements he needs to do there. Arm strength's okay. Accuracy's okay. Uh, like, really, nothing stands out too much about his game for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Max Duggan, to me, um, great college quarterback, great story. Um, everything, to me, it, it's super slow. His drop back, his mechanics, his release is super slow. Um, doesn't process the field that great. I would not I would stay away from him. Now, Jake Hayner, man, I've been, I've been, I've been talking to a lot of people for the last Sign me up months. for that. If we can get him, sign me up for that. Couple of months, man. This dude is. I'll say it right now. I think. I think. I personally think if he goes to the right system, the way uh, Brock Purdy played and the way people talked about Brock Purdy, he will be better than Brock Purdy in the right system. If he goes to a team, for example, like Kyle Shanahan, that can scheme things open, he will be better than Brock Purdy. Now, people are going to be like, "What the hell? You're you're absolutely crazy." Stronger arm, more accurate, in my opinion, coming out of college. He's very gritty. Uh, more mobile, in my opinion. I think, and Brock Purdy is mobile. Um, to me, Brock, uh, uh, Jake Hayner 
is probably up there in the top five quarterbacks in this draft class, and people are sleeping on him. Now, my our top five quarterbacks, obviously you're going to have the guys. I'm not going to name my top five yet, but you have guys like um, C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, uh, Anthony Richardson, Will Levies, and I think Jake Hayner's in that top five. People aren't giving him the credit, but he deserves the damn credit to be yeah. in the top five. When people watch his tape, they're going to be blown away with him, and I think he's going to go get drafted higher than people think. And he's also had a phenomenal uh, senior bowl, which also elevates him on draft boards. No, I think so. I think that he's that in a way, uh, ooh, was Hertz draft 2021? Hertz was 2021, right? Yeah, Hertz was 2021. So in a way where you saw how the 2021 draft went, where you had five early quarterbacks in the first round, and because there was that, that significant gap, Hayner, I think, has the chance to go higher than even what he should probably pre be projected to go because there's that gap after the top four. There will be that gap, uh, it, it seems, at least on draft boards, to where Hayner could go, maybe where Hurts went, late second round, maybe mid-third round. We'll see how it how it ends up playing out. But, yeah, he'd be he's a talented guy. Um, I'd like him. The, uh, I think I'd like two quarterbacks that are realistic for for our for our team, uh, him and Jaron Hall of BYU. Need to watch more Jaron Hall, but I think that the mobility and uh, what Jaron Hall has to work with, Kyle Shanahan could work with that. Yeah, man, Jake Hayner, Jake Hayner slept on. I think he he deserves a little more respect from people yeah. in the media. Obviously, media didn't get to see him. Media is gonna always, and I'm gonna say this because it's interesting because media tends to hype players that are on national TV games, right? Like they're, oh my Correct. god, Will Levy's. SEC quarter, he's not that good. I don't think he's good. Now he's gonna get drafted because he has traits. He has the arm, the arm strength. He has the mobility. He has the size. I don't think he's that good. Now he could prove me wrong, which I would love it. I would, I would love for these guys to prove me wrong. But then if you look, and then you look at Anthony Richardson, right? And this is something that me and Rohan are talking about uh, through text messages and stuff. Guys not being as highly touted as a guy like Will Levy's, but when you watch the tape. He's probably better than Levy's and uh, Stroud. But that's the thing. Is, is that's why I honestly, I really like Jake Hayner. And I just hope he goes to the right system. Because if he goes to the right system, the right coaching staff, he's going to be a very good quarterback for a lot of, for whatever team takes him. If they take him and, and build an offense that is easy for him, just like, just like Nick Sirianni did for Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now, Rohan, so I know everyone's wondering what do the 49ers do with a defensive coordinator? Um, obviously, the Vic Fangios, the Chris Kacerics are out there, Chris Harris, Steve Wilkes, Vic Fangio leaves. Now, there's like the, the conversation of, oh, man, the 49ers missed out on the best defensive coordinator on the market. A lot of speculation is going on, right? Now, Correct. Before I continue, I do want to say I'm not saying draft Jake Hayner in the first round. He's a franchise quarterback. I think he could develop into like a Derek Carr um, kind of quarterback, which is honestly Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. People just hate on him because it's trendy to hate on Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. And um, when we talk about the defensive coordinator position, Vic Fangio, he's not there anymore. And it seemed like that was going to be the case. It seemed like he wanted to be with the Dolphins. And the number one thing – that really went into it, it looks like, was money. Money. He wanted to be the highest-paid defensive coordinator, probably by a mile. Dolphins were willing to do that. 
And I think that that's that's where he ends up going. I mean, uh, I think that that's the biggest thing. Uh, people talking about scheme, I think that's funny. Um, in my opinion, Vic Fangio is number one on my board over Steve Wilkes, over Chris Harris. Uh, I mean, if Kosarek's an option over Kosarek, uh, that's tough. But I, I think Fangio would be number one on my uh, n- number one on my board. I think that Fangio would have been undoubtedly the best option if you're talking about X's and O's. So this is something I tweeted out, right? Because I know everyone was hyping Vic Fangio because obviously he's a former 49er um, defensive coordinator and he had a great tenure with the 49ers. They end up passing him up. He doesn't become the head coach. Um, he goes on to other things. And what happened to me in the sense of X's and O's is very important, right? But X's Correct. and O's doesn't make someone a great coach, right? Like, there's so many dudes around the NFL, college level, shit, even the high school level, or like some of the top programs, these guys are brilliant X's and O's minds. Mm-hmm. But then they can't get the best out of their players, so it doesn't make them as good of coaches as they are, right? And that's why I said, I tweeted that, because Steve Wilkes is one of those guys. You're not going to, you don't hear, you don't hear Steve Wilkes' name as being, oh my God, he's an X's and O's genius, defensive mind, wizard. But you sure do hear a lot of his players say this dude is legit i'll run through a wall for him they love playing for him what are your thoughts on that on the x's and o's here's what i'll say because i see this question here why on the x's and o's front what specifically in comparison to wilkes vic fangio is one of the smartest minds in football a lot of coaches have said it a lot of uh like he has the respect in the nfl world when he talk about it and there are a lot of things. I mean, Vic Fangio does so much, not only on the fronts, but in coverages. When you talk about the fronts itself, what does Vic Fangio do? He's got this skill where he presents you a front, and it's not going to be that front. He presents a lot of these three fours, but they actually appear as four three unders, which means he essentially is running a four three. He'll also present uh, these six ones where he'll stack the he'll stack at the line of scrimmage but have one linebacker or one guy in the middle of the field and have his uh traditional uh dropback s- system. So what does he do? He confuses you by telling or by confusing you by telling you he's going to look to blitz this guy but then pull him back into coverage while blitzing another guy. And so it's it's a lot of complexity at the line of scrimmage. I think that that's also important. Sometimes he has the linebacker right over the middle of the field who drops back. Sometimes it's the outside linebacker who's off the edge, but then drops back while the other linebacker off the other side ends up rushing. There are a lot of different things that the offensive line has to account for. For results, sometimes in the offensive line shifting, you get a free rusher and all these different things, but that's only part of it. The coverage part that Vic Fangio brings is huge. He is the... He is the he is the guy when it comes to post that movement. Vic Fangio loves to he he loves in a way sometimes to overcomplicate things. He wants to make it as confusing as possible for opposing quarterbacks. He'll always come out or almost always come out in a quarter shell or a cover two shell pre snap, but post snap he can rotate into cover six. He can rotate into cover three. He can rotate with a robber, and the way that he rotates even is is really important because there are different players rotating different positions in different coverages that make it look like a different coverage when you are rotating. Sometimes he'll rotate the safety back, and the safety's playing back. Sometimes he'll rotate the safety into a robber position and pl- rotate the cornerback back. Sometimes he even with Fred Warner, there he'd rotate the linebacker back and have the safety 
go into the lurk position. And so it's all a, 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 just a mastery of confusion. And that's why Vic Fangio is so respected. That's why so many teams are starting to utilize this Vic Fangio system over the Seattle system that had been the staple in the 2010s when the Legion of Boom was there. Or even, as in Robert Sala's case, incorporating the two systems to create different things. D'Amico Ryans, you saw what he utilized this past year. D'Amico Ryans runs a lot of the Vic Fangio system, a good amount of the Seattle system, but he combines it with the Vic Fangio system. That's where you see these different complexities, the linebacker blitzes, the way the 49ers rotate into cover three on a significant amount of time. All these different things, it's a staple from the Fangio system. And the, the number one thing the Fangio system is, it requires personnel. You need dynamic personnel to be able to execute the system, but what do the 49ers have? They've got the best linebacker in football that can do something that nobody else does. They've got versatile defensive linemen that can play on the interior and the outside, and they've got a coverage system that can play both in man coverage and in zone coverage, and they've excelled at all of it. That's why I think Vic Fangio would have been the, like, the splash hire if you had gotten him at defensive coordinator. So I love how you broke everything down, right? So I thought it was interesting because a lot of people were like, oh, Vic Fangio doesn't run the 3-4. Well, bro, 3-4, and, like, I try to explain this to people. 3-4 is is a, a base defense. And out of that base defense – Nobody so runs base, bro. Nobody. nobody. runs base anymore. And yeah. when you look at it, I mean, you, you might run base maybe 20%, maybe. Um, but even when you're – let's, let's say it's a, a true 3-4, right? He's going to have his three his, – his, Three down linemen, which is your nose tackle, your two defensive tackles, and usually a, a three four, a traditional three four, you have an outside linebacker or two on the defensive line. So technically, it's like a four three, uh, five two hybrid. Um, but realistically, what what D'Amico, what uh, Vic Fangio did with this three four, it wasn't a true three four. Mm -hmm. He ran a lot of lot a lot of four three concepts that people are like, oh no, we we don't need it. We don't need him. He, we, we, it would change right. our defense. It wouldn't change the defense. He used Alden Smith like a defensive end. So Alden Smith was the Bosa of the time. Yeah. He was the Bosa. He didn't. He dropped in a coverage every once in a while, but his goal was get after the quarterback. Now, Ahmad Brooks, people remember, I'm going to start bringing him in names and explaining how, how it would match the 49ers system. Ahmad Brooks would be the outside linebacker. He's your Samson Ebokon. Mm-hmm. Samson Ebokon isn't a, isn't a true defensive end, in my opinion. I think he's a a, a very yeah. athletic outside linebacker. He came from a Ram system where he played outside linebacker, and that Ram system was predicated off Fangio because it was freaking Brandon Staley system, who was a disciple of Fangio. It all comes together like that because of how respected Fangio is. Now, I, I actually continue, and then we'll go on to Wilkes. So for me, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, uh, it's not the scheme, the schematics of it, because when you're you're looking at things. It all ties together. Vic Fangio is running a lot of lot of four three concepts, um, and obviously everyone's usually in their nickel and their dime packages now because they're running they're running that big nickel. Um, so for me, I was like, eh, it's not the scheme. I personally think it's the uh, the personality, person. the coach, mm -hmm. right? Vic Fangio when he was with the uh, the Broncos, no music, very kind of tried doing things the Belichick way in the sense of. We're walking a line. We have a we have something to do. Versus a lot of the young new coaches are they're catering to their players. What do you want to listen to? You oh you want to listen to little baby? 
You want to listen to the baby? You want to like all the they, they they play the music that they want. You want to like little yachty, whatever they, whoever the people they listen to, whatever. That's what they're playing. And mm-hmm. to me, I think Vic Fangio just doesn't fit the personality of the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan is already that super calm, relaxed coach, but he also has a swagger to him. So if you bring two super relaxed coaches, I think that's where the energy would go down for the 49ers. And I think Kyle's looking for someone who's energetic, and that's why the Chris Kasarik is, is being thrown out there to be the D.C. That's why you have Steve Wilkes. Now, talk to us about Steve Wilkes. I'll let you break him down because I know you, you, you've probably been watching him a little more than I have since I've been teaching. Yeah. Steve Wilkes is the other option, and I'm emphatic about Steve Wilkes. I, I said uh, we've talked about it. Steve Wilkes is my clear number two option, really, when it comes to defensive coordinators. Chris Harris is there too. I, I don't think Chris Harris is a bad option at all. But Steve Wilkes, the reason that Steve Wilkes, what Steve Wilkes provides, he's a little bit of a different system. And Steve Wilkes, he's been through it all. He has run four three fronts. He has run three three five fronts in Carolina. He's run fronts at, at, at Missouri. He's he's kind of been through. He's Definitely been through the versatility part. Wilkes is a good fit. He has the nickel look. He loves the nickel look. He loves, I think he played 84% of his snaps in the nickel when he was in his one coaching year in Arizona. That's kind of his base look. He loves it. And the 49ers, they 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 like that nickel look too. You see the amount Jimmy Ward played this year. Some games they played fully in nickel. Wilkes though is a little different. Fangio, he kind of covets getting those, getting four rushers, getting four rushers to the quarterback, creating pressure mm-hmm. with those four rushers. Wilkes, on the other hand, he loves to blitz. He's aggressive. He thinks, he he, he trusts his coverage enough to where he's going to go blitz. Fangio is kind of the difference. He's going to try and dis- fool you with his coverages and fool you with his fronts, although it's rushing four and dropping seven back into coverage. Wilkes, though, he's one of the, he's one of the most aggressive blitzing defensive coordinators out there, defensive uh, coaches out there. And so you'll see a lot of blitzes, especially from the nickel position. He'll do the corner blitz. So that's where you like the fit because a guy like Samuel Womack, he's a guy who's speedy, a guy who can get to the quarterback when shooting right through that gap. That could be a good fit right there. And when you talk about it, a 4-2-5 is pretty likely with Steve Wilkes. Well, guess what? The 49ers are losing Aziz Alshire. They have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. So it's a good fit to the personnel where you're going to have the four, you're going to have the two, and you're going to have the linebacker, or sorry, the the secondary where you've got the outside corners. And it places the importance on a guy like Diambra Lenore. It places the importance on those safeties as well. And so I think it's a good scheme fit. I think Wiltz does a lot of different things. Me personally, though, I like the the style that Fangio brings. I think it's a little similar to the style that we've seen the past two years in that you don't blitz as much. Although the blitz is important, D'Amico Ryans is amazing at scheming up and just uh, calling blitzes at the right time. I think the blitz, though, should be a second factor to to the coverage because the 49ers, well, they're stronger in the front seven than they are normally in the secondary. And while they had a very good year in the secondary and uh, trusting their coverage helped them in that last game, I think that that's why I would prefer Fangio. However, when you talk about Steve Wilkes, the number one selling point on Steve Wilkes isn't that. It's it's not a scheme, which is still a fairly damn good scheme. It's actually the person behind the scheme, like Marco said. The personality is important. 
you heard what players said about Steve Wilkes. Those players in Carolina fought for Steve Wilkes. They went six and six to end the year. That guy is a phenomenal leader. And when you've seen what he did in Carolina, the guy, the way he led a locker room, not only full of defensive players, but full of offensive players as well, you know he has the capability to lead a team like this. And Steve Wilkes, understanding being a people person, well, that's how the 49ers have been. That's how the 49ers have, they've had two head coaches who have, revered themselves on being people uh, persons and ended up being head coaches in Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans. That's the big fit with Steve Wilkes and the 49ers. That's why I think I'd be still emphatic if he's the guy, even though he's my number two. So I'm going to ask a question to people listening. So drop a comment, yes or no, if you guys have ever gotten uh, frustrated with like D'Amico Ryans or Robert Sala when they're constantly running their, their zone scheme in the sense of they're giving too much cushion, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people probably say yes. Now, where, in my opinion, where Steve Wilkes is a master at is he, yes, he runs a 4-3, but he's, a, like Rohan just said, he's a very aggressive coach in person in general. Like, he's an aggressive what guy does that in the mean? sense of football, right? Now, what he does very well is he understands when the quarterback is getting the ball out quick, he knows you have to be creative in your coverages and the right. things that you are doing on the back end because you're not going to get home. Right, like that's the end of the. He understands that, and he he he. I believe he said it. He'll go on record and say that. Now, it's all about trying to create negative plays on first down and second down. And one right. thing that people don't talk about is stopping the run. Steve Wilkes is great at stopping the run. Now, the 49ers have had a good history of stopping the run. So now, when you're in first and second down, you created negative plays instead of four or five yards. So it's third and five. You have third and seven more often with Steve Wilkes, and now when you put the pressure on a quarterback and you exactly you have these disguised looks um, from Steve Wilkes, because he does change things up, mm -hmm. you're going to yeah. create turnovers. And he's led; he has led a, a Carolina team to the Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. He has the background; he has the history. In my opinion, I personally thought, and I, it's okay if people disagree, but I personally thought. He was a better fit than Vic Fangio only because of two things. Uh, uh, energy and scheme isn't that far off. When you look at what they do and the, the aggressive the aggressive nature of Steve Wilkes, so when you're blitzing, you're going to need to have an extra, uh, an extra corner or safety on the field because you're going to have to cover, and you have to have tighter coverage. Now, he wouldn't put guys like Fred – you, can, you can't really put Fred Warner in a hard position to cover – uh, right. But you're kind of rare to see linebackers lined up in the A-gap and have to turn and run to pick up uh, the, the coverage and stuff like that. So for me, Steve Wilkes does a phenomenal job in keeping his his linebackers, his safeties, and his corners in great position to succeed. And I felt at times D'Amico kind of put Fred Warner in bad situations, but luckily Fred Warner is just such a damn good linebacker that it really wasn't a bad situation because he's that good. But if you put Dre Greenlaw, which he did a few times in situations like that, you give up big plays. So for me, I always thought it was, I, I personally think Steve Wilkes would be a better hire than if they were to bring in uh, Vic Fangio because of personality and the X's and O's isn't that far off. Steve Wilkes doesn't get, get the credit he deserves for his X's and O's and what he does because it's hard to be a defensive coordinator in this league, and he's one of the better ones in the league. Yeah, and while I like I said, while I I do prefer Fangio for the way that he uh, way that he does stuff, 
I can't disagree there. I said I'd be emphatic if Steve Wilkes was a hire. And the one thing Marco talks about is the difference. For those of you guys that don't necessarily like the off-soft coverage and uh, things like that, well, that's a disciple of the Fangio system. Why? Fangio system is all uh, all predicated on limiting those explosive plays. They want you to throw the check down. So the check down gets you six, seven yards, but it doesn't get you the 40 yards that teams get beat on, especially now that it's a passing league. And it's, 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 I guess a conservative system where Frangio will in incorporate a lot more zone concepts, cover four or cover six or uh, rotate into cover three compared to the man concepts. And while some zone concepts end up becoming man concepts because you're essentially picking up the guy in front of you uh, that, that in, in your area, it is a little different. And so I, I do think that uh, the, the difference that Fangio and Wilkes will bring with the aggressiveness that Wilkes has, it might create more man coverage situations and put more trust in the cornerbacks, which I think fans will like. I think fans definitely will like that when you see the aggressiveness that the cornerbacks will play with. And Marco broke it down perfectly. Steve Wilkes, that system and the aggressiveness is predicated on getting those negative plays on first and second down. 49ers, already a great team against the run. When you incorporate Steve Wilkes into it, it only furthers the solution. And so when you go from first and 10 to second and nine to maybe third and seven, Guess what? On third and seven, what does that mean? You need a pass play that goes seven yards down the field. That means it takes at least a couple of seconds to get all those route combinations to go. And so when you bring the aggressiveness, bring the heat, you're forcing that quarterback to play under pressure, knowing that his route combinations might not be fully done. And that creates the unfortunate uh, situations for quarterbacks. And that's where Steve Wilkes is revered. And even then, too, like Steve Wilkes, I don't I... I would assume he would want to go away from the wide nine, which is a reason why Chris Eric might be a defensive coordinator candidate because the wide nine is actually not the best key, not the best defensive alignment to run against stopping the run. Uh, you're in a bad situation because you obviously have the wide nine and then you're, you're with the way you're gapped out. You don't have any actual gap integrity in a way because you're having to fight against offensive linemen and with the NFL going a lot towards the, that outside zone. It's actually kind of playing against the 49ers. Also, too, if you look at what Philadelphia just did to the 49ers offensively, the way they were able to uh, run the ball with Miles Sanders, and he didn't get touched a few touch on his on the two touchdowns he had, he didn't get touched. It's because the gaps, the gaps were, it was easier to block. It's really easier to block. So for me, I think um, Steve Wilkes should be the guy. Now, Give me your thoughts on whether the 49ers should hire uh, Steve Kaserik or I know they're interviewing, obviously, uh, Chris Harris from the Commanders, which I don't know much on Chris uh, Chris Harris. Um, mm -hmm. So give me your opinion on, on uh, Chris Kaserik. Chris Kaserik's interesting, man. Chris Kaserik, the, the, the biggest thing about Chris Kaserik, we've heard throughout the, the Kaserik tenure, we've seen it. Grant Cohn posted a video about it today. Kaserik has kind of been a defensive lineman guy. And now the talk about potentially promoting him might stem from D'Amico Ryan's wanting him to be his defensive coordinator. And I'm thinking about it, and it's interesting, because if it's about money, give him a raise. You give him whatever raise he wants and keep him at defensive line coach. If that's the issue, and if that's why he wants to go to Houston, because he wants the money that a defensive coordinator would pay him, well, you pay him that money because Chris Gosarek is the most valuable coach on that defensive team. Why? Because he's the one guy where if he stays at defensive line coach, what's going to what's gonna happen? 
he's that one guy who's going to stay there forever. Those defensive coordinators keep cycling out because they get high head coaching opportunities, but you want a staple of that defensive staff and you want the most energetic guy to be that guy. And that's Chris Kosarek. That's why if it's about money, I'd keep him there. Now as a defensive coordinator, I wonder because Kosarek is obviously a guy predicated on defensive line. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I wonder with a guy who hasn't had play calling experience before, because Kyle Shanahan, whoever, whoever's going to be that higher is going to have to call plays a guy without play calling experience before we, you wonder how that works. But then again, you wondered about D'Amico Ryans. You wondered about Robert Sala and they both ended up fine. So my solution to this is, Whoever Chris Kosarek and, or sorry, not Chris Kosarek, whoever Kyle Shanahan ends up hiring, we are going to be fine. Kyle Shanahan has had a track record of consistently hiring the correct head coach or the correct coaching staff around him. I think that that is valuable. And I think that that's really, really important. So to me, I don't really care as long as, uh, as long as it's the right move from Kyle Shanahan, but. There are my preferences. I would probably prefer Steve Wilkes over Kosarek as a defensive coordinator, not because of uh, necessarily the the relationship with the 49ers, but because Steve Wilkes has proved it and he's been a damn good defensive coordinator throughout his career. I'm going to agree with you in the sense of obviously Kyle's two for two on his defensive coordinator um, hires. Now, when you look at the 49ers and everything, um, it's just interesting because Kasarik, like you said, he's always been a defensive line coach. He's never called plays. So for me, I'm looking at him like, damn, like it's kind of hard to have a guy like Chris Kasarik, which has, not, I believe he has like 19 years in the league, maybe in around that range. Um, I could be wrong, but I could have sworn he's been coaching for like 20 years. I mm-hmm. think he's still young. What was that, Ron? You, you talk, uh, you, are you saying Kasarik has coached for 19 years? Or I believe so. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, so he's been. I believe he's been coaching since like the early two thousands. Might have been like from oh six, maybe oh four. I think even then he was like a grad assistant in like the early two thousands. The first oh three, maybe a grad assistant. He's only forty four, and he's young. So like it's it's around that time that these these defensive coaches become defensive coordinators. He's been around a lot of systems now. I think he would also have an aggressive approach to coaching um, in the sense of he's an aggressive coach as a defensive line coach. When you watch him in training camp, those who have been in training camp, you could hear him. He's on the floor, banging the floor, going at like with, with going at it with the guys. Like So he's one of those dudes. Now, if I had to choose, I'm still probably going uh, uh, Steve Wilkes. And if Chris Kosarek wants to go with, with D'Amico Ryans, Okay, that's fine. And I think you just right away you you promote Daryl Tapp to become the defensive line coach. I mean, he's already an assistant defensive line coach. Yeah. You keep a young guy like with energy. Um he's played around uh played in the NFL. No, did he play in the NFL? I know he played college. Who, Daryl Tapp? Yeah. I believe he did. He played in I'm pretty sure he was drafted by like Seattle or some some random some random team like that. Yeah, I believe he played in the NFL as an end. Yeah, so he's been in the league. He understands it. That's the guy I would promote if Chris Kosarek leaves. And and I don't want Chris Kosarek to leave because, obviously, that's a great defensive line coach. But if he leaves, I got to believe that the 49ers probably go away from the wide nine, which actually helps Steve Wilkes because I don't think Steve Wilkes would actually want that wide nine with him. 
I mean, pass rush, yeah, it helps. But against the run, it hurts you. And Steve Wilkes is a guy who you got to stop the run first, and that's how he predicates his uh, defense on. Then you have Chris Harris. I don't know much about him. I, I don't know if you do or not. Uh, I know that um, he's well respected because he's one of those. He's another one of those guys. Uh, those what do you call it? Those former coach turned player guys. And okay. so what I've what I've read from him. I mean, he's the different because he's the secondaries coach. When we talk about the other coaching staff, um, Chris Kosarek, obviously uh, defensive line coach. When you talk about D'Amico Ryan's linebackers coach. When you talk about some of these guys, Chris Harris is different because he's a cornerback uh well he's a he's a defensive coordinator or sorry uh secondary coach that could become a defensive coordinator but i do know he's well respected and i know he's done a good job he's uh held a job in washington i think he's currently with the titans as their passing game coordinator on the defense and uh, although i don't know if that's um uh what do you call it i don't know if that is true and so to me I, i think it's interesting but i also think that if you're going in the secondary route a smarter move might be promoting uh internally if Daniel Bullocks is getting mo- or is, is is gaining some traction from uh the Houston Texans. He is I believe he just got hired as the Titans pass game coordinator. So correct, yeah. He would have to be pretty so he would be obviously a defense coordinator. Although I don't team. the the thing is I don't know if it's actually been uh formal because I don't think um uh, I don't think they've announced it yet. They like publicly announced it. I know I thought I could have sworn I saw NFL Network post something that he had he had gotten the job with um the Titans as their passing coordinator. Now it's just interesting because the 49ers obviously they have a track record of great defenses, but they can't win the game, right? You're losing a lot of players on the defensive line. You're gonna lose Charles Emenihu, Jordan Willis, Samson Ebukam, um Kevin Gibbons is a free agent, you're losing uh Aziz Al Shayer, Jimmy Ward's gonna be gone, based on what he said on Instagram. Uh, Tashawn Gibson's a free agent, um, and if you look at the offensive side, he's a lot of free agents too. Now, are the 49ers, as of right now, without them, that's without them signing anyone, without free agency happening, the draft's happening. With what they have, the 30 players they have on the roster, obviously they would add to that, right? So it's an incomplete answer. But do they have enough on their roster right now to be contenders next year? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. The 49ers are one of the top contenders in the in the NFL. And when you talk about it, there's a reason that they're the number two or number three team by odds books to win the championship in 2023. They just got eliminated by Philadelphia, and they're already over Philadelphia. They're the top NFC team in terms of odds to win the championship next year, uh, according to some sports books. And so to me, I, I do think so. I, I think so. But the reason that I do think so is also going to be dependent on how their offseason goes. Because you said it, they have holes. Mike McGlinchey is a free agent. That's a key right tackle. Uh, Charles O'Menohue, Emmanuel Mosley, Sanson Ebucom, a good amount of defensive linemen are free agents. Uh, he's all Shire. He's not coming back. You've got a good amount of free agents on this team. How do the 49ers insulate their holes via, uh, via free agency or the draft? What do they do? Those are the questions that are going to really answer this question. But at the moment, I think so. You have two quarterbacks that you they have felt confident in before, two that have had starting experience, and they've 
been willing to announce that they're starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That situation will, the 49ers have a quarterback situation, but the issue isn't the quarterbacks themselves. They are two starting level quarterbacks in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, they've said it. We'll see who wins the job, but I think that the 49ers are going to be fine in that regard. And I think that right now, yeah, you do have to say it regardless of who wins the job, because if Brock Purdy wins the job, guess what? You saw how Brock Purdy could play. We've seen that it's been successful. Brock Purdy still has not lost a game in which he's played a full game in while starting. He, he hasn't lost a game when he's played a full game when starting. And if Trey Lance wins the job, what does that mean? He beat out the guy who did that. So to me, I think it's a win-win situation for the 49ers at quarterback and at most other positions. I mean, we've seen how good the defense can play. We've seen how good the offense can play. I think that they have to be seen as contenders at the moment in the early look. I don't know if they're, they should be that high on the Super Bowl contenders list because. No. Yeah. I, I think we can debate that for sure. Uh, yeah, so I, like, I'm not necessarily sure if they're number two or three, but I think that they're contenders and sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but the last thing I'll say, bro, the NFC is weak as hell. Aaron Rodgers is say. going out of the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is about to go out. Tom Brady just retired. The NFC is weak as hell. That just makes the contenders list smaller. And I think the 49ers are one of them, but continue on. Yeah, the top quarterbacks in the NFC are guys like Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, plus the NFC. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Who Who else? Daniel Jones. Kyle Uh-oh. Shanahan, he has a quarterback that are as good as those guys. He has two of them, actually, in my opinion. I So I don't, I think they could compete in the NFC, but it's, it's about getting, once you get to the big dog, and you got to call him the big dog right now. Philadelphia is the big dog in the NFC. Until otherwise, until other otherwise, their other things are proven, they're going to be good. I think Detroit should be good. So I think the Niners could compete. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're going to contend for a Super Bowl with what the, they have out on their roster in terms of quarterback, but I think they could compete for a, a, a deep playoff run. Which hey, as soon as you get into the playoffs, you never know with the 49ers. They can make it to the the NFL, uh, Super Bowl and, and win it all. Um, they almost got there with the third a third string quarterback. Now. I want to talk real quick if you have if you have time. Uh, let's do it. Uh, let's talk about the Pro Bowl, dude. How shitty is the Pro Bowl this year? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't put disrespect on my guy Derek Carr and Tyler Huntley. Disrespectful. <laughs> That's so, bro. The fact that Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl, bro, is so disrespectful. It's funny. It is it's funny, terrible, dude. It's absolutely terrible. Like I don't got, know the process of why too. I'm pretty sure it's because of the fan vote. So I'm pretty uh-huh. sure fan vote, you get like, I want to say fan votes considered uh, one or two thirds of the vote. Okay, yeah. I know I know fan vote is a big thing for the Pro Bowl. Like that's what they want. Like, oh, who do the fans want to see? Bro, it is ridiculous. Like he was obviously an alternate, but he was like the third or fourth alternate. All these dudes don't want to play. We got Derek Carr. You literally told me before we came on air that Derek Carr said, what was the, the comedy he said? No, he talked about after like doing some precision passing drill or something. Ryan Clark came up to him and he's like, "Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas?" And he was like, "No, probably why I'm uh, probably why I'm moving on, something like that." It so he's funny. either using. So my guess is he was throwing very good at the, at target because I know they're doing like target things or like quarterback yeah. competition. My guess is he's throwing great at these targets and using it as a freaking free agency combine so someone could come trade for him. Bro, this is re- it's bad, bro. But it's bad. It's yeah. Tar- so the fact that 
we got so we, the 49ers do got some guys at the senior at, at the Pro Bowl. Kittle's mm-hmm. obviously out there. Christian McCaffrey's out there. Uh, who else? Trent Williams. I don't believe Trent Williams going, even though he probably made the Pro Bowl. Um, who else is going to be out there in that I'm missing? Kittle uh, and Bosa. Yeah, Nick. So, and I don't even think, dude, like, honestly, it's hard. Be- oh, Fred Warner's there. Forgot Fred Warner's there. Yeah, Fred Warner's there, um, too. So, for me, it's it's just weird seeing the Pro Bowl, how it is. It's disgusting. I don't want to be seeing no – how's it going, my man? I don't want to see Tyler Huntley play in the Pro Like, I don't watch the Pro Bowl, but I like watching the competitions. I like watching – I like the media yeah. out, the media side of it. The Pro Bowl game, to me, has been boring for the last 10 years. So, for me, I don't really watch that. But, man, you got to make it more entertaining than Tyler Huntley. Bro, not even Justin Herbert. Like, we're going to get Justin No, 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 no. The reason Huntley made it, too, is because um four quarterbacks have injuries. Allen, UCL, uh, Herbert, Ribs, someone else has a concussion. So, like, injuries are a big reason why. Bro, even then, bro, Tyler Huntley is. <laughs> That's terrible. funny, though. That's really funny. Like, um, with the amount of talent the AFC has, too, they ended up on uh, Tyler Huntley. Bro, do you remember when when a lot of fans, and this was throughout the NFL, it wasn't just Baltimore fans, when they were saying Tyler Huntley could be Lamar Jackson's replacement. Right, Lamar right. Jackson's I remember gonna this. Lamar Jackson's going to trade Tyler Huntley for a second-round pick. Are we serious, right? And that's why. And that is the prime example, bro. Why I say don't give up on quarterbacks or don't label quarterbacks after a short period of time, bro. It's ridiculous because Tyler Huntley was labeled oh the future of Lamar. Like if Lamar gets hurt, he's the guy. Trade Lamar. Let Tyler Huntley. Bro, what the heck are we talking about here? That's funny. Do you remember that though? I do. I do. It was the year he went to the playoffs, right? Uh, I don't. Did Tyler Huntley lead them to the playoffs? Like, I don't know if he played in the playoffs itself, but Lamar was out for a portion of the year, and Tyler Huntley ended up being that quarterback that uh, took him a couple of games. Yeah. I'm going to look it up right now. I have to. It's just hilarious, dude. So, uh, in 2021, his record, he put up decent stats, but his record was 1-3. and three. And he one started, three. started four games. Oh, this past year? No, in in uh, both years he started uh, four games. Uh, twenty twenty one, he had one a one and three record. He had a sixty five percent completion percentage, a thousand yards throwing, three touchdowns, wait, four interceptions. I'm looking back. They lost all four games that he started. This year? oh wait no no they won one they won one last year they went one and three in both years that he started games. Bro, and people were calling him the next great thing, bro. Because oh well, it was it was probably because of one game he had like a super good game. I believe I I don't even know if he had one super good game, but dude, he ah that his first start his first start was a good game. Remember that? Which start was who was it against? Do you remember? Oh, Chicago maybe Chicago or Cleveland, one of the two. But he, I'm looking at the Cleveland stats. Cleveland stats, fifty six percent completion percentage, one thirty eight, one touchdown. But I think what people saw. Oh no, no, no! I mean, last year, fifty-six. Ooh, that's low. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Cleveland. Let me look at. Let me look at his game watch for twenty-one. Bro, it's so crazy. Like, 
his game logs from 21. Uh, Chicago, he had a good, he had a solid game, 219, um, past two, uh, 219 passing yards. Uh, where's the touchdown? I'm tripping. But it's just weird, bro. Cause like, to me, the Pro Bowl is supposed to be the best players, right? Like, in the NFL, like you're supposed to be honoring these players. Like, what? I wouldn't even care about pro. Like, when they when when people come to talk about Hall of Fame, why are we even mentioning Pro Bowls? It doesn't even matter yeah. anymore. Like, right? Like to me, we're we're leaving dudes out because guys like Tyler Huntley are getting Pro Bowl votes. <sighs> it's okay. Nah, Pro Bowl is Pro Bowl. It's whatever. And the funny thing is, it actually does mess up with people money because um, it does. People, yeah, it, it really does. And that's the funny part. So George, like, so this is this is what's going on at the Pro Bowl. Well, this is great content, by the way. George Kittle just attempted to inflate this a pool, a pool toy, in under sixty huh? seconds. Damn. Okay, that's funny. And 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 he got it. He got it. Like the dude got the lungs. He has good blowing skills, I guess. Oh. That's funny. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Bro. We need to cut this. We need to cut the heck out of here before you say All righty. Hey, we've been going for a, a, a solid hour twenty strong. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Shout out to my boy Sunil for tuning in. Uh shout out Bay to the boy, bro. Fortnite throwback. Everyone that was in the house tonight. Shout out to every single one of you guys. Shout out to my boy Rohan. Thank you, guys. We're out. All right.